Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, my friend and founder of the beauty brand, The Lip Bar, Melissa Butler, chats with me about practicing gratitude when blessings are disguised as rejections. It's easy to be thankful when we set goals for ourselves and are able to achieve them without a struggle. When I'm in a season of abundance, I find grace in every corner of my life. But what do we do when what seems to be for us falls just outside of our reach? It's in those moments that God reminds me that he is always intervening on my behalf, even during times of disappointment. Melissa's perspective on resilience during moments of rejection taught me that even when we think we've lost, we've won. You don't go to the gym and then leave out looking like the rock. That's just, it's just not reality, right? And so I have looked at building this business and all of the bumps along the way as just like building muscle, having more experiences that teach me how to do it better the very next time. So I'm grateful for that experience because I think it was important for people to know that you can get rejected on national TV and keep going. And in our Sankofa moment, Melissa selects someone from history who was the true embodiment of beauty. And she wore red often, and red is like a a true power color for me. It's like, it commands the attention. And I think part of being confident is being okay with commanding the attention. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the pod. Hey, Ashley. I'm super excited. I'm so happy you're here. Okay, so (laughs) Melissa, tell us how we met or when we met. So we have lots of mutual friends at this point, but I'm pretty sure Taylor introduced us. So Mm -hmm. Taylor used to work with us at the Lip Bar. And I remember when she first introduced us, I was like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. Oh my gosh, she's beautiful. (laughs) Like that was my immediate reaction. I was like, it's her skin. So Taylor introduced us and, and I feel like we've just never looked back. So Melissa, what is your favorite affirmation? I am enough. It's an easy one. Like we have a store downtown Detroit and on the storefront door, it says the lip bar where you are enough. Because I think that confidence is so important. And like, I think a lot of us act like we're confident and we're not really confident. 
me included. And sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And that's okay. But it's I am enough because like, if I like internalize that, then that imposter syndrome is out the window. If I internalize that when something goes wrong in life or in my business or wherever, I'm like, it's okay because like, I'm enough. I can get over this. I love that. I am enough. Because that, you know, saying I am enough is what's going to get you through the days when you think that you're nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, it's the only it's the only way to flip that mentality. I love that. All right. You know how this goes. Let's go to the beginning. What did Detroit give you? Oh, I love Detroit so much. Like I do. Like I'm probably Detroit's number one fan because it taught me about my blackness in a way that I probably didn't come to appreciate until I was an adult. Because Detroit is one of the blackest cities in America. It is, I believe, 77% Black. And so with that being said, I grew up around Black excellence and Black poverty. My parents were both incarcerated. This is what a lot of people don't actually know. Um, And so I was able to sort of see like, you know, the stories of Blackness that they show on the news, which oftentimes are not positive, while also seeing people in my family who were entrepreneurs and lawyers or, you know, being in a city where the mayor was Black and the police chief was Black. So I had never had an experience where I wanted to be something or someone else. I knew that being Black was enough. I knew that it was okay to be Black. I knew it was beautiful to be Black. It was my standard. And so it wasn't until I got out into the world that I was like, oh, wait, wait, we got all these people hating on us. Wait a minute now. Like, <laughs> it was it was such a, a rude awakening because, like, I grew up in sort of this, like, oasis. And so when I left Detroit, I was like, oh, wait a minute. But it was that foundation of Detroit that gave me the strength and gave me the confidence to stand in my Blackness, to say, no, it's okay to go to an HBCU, to say, no, it's okay to wear my hair and braids in corporate America. And it was all because I grew up knowing that, like, these are my standards and my standards are, in fact, enough, more than enough, really. So I love my city for that. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Wow. Well, I, too, have a love affair with Detroit from my first visit there just felt like home. So Melissa, I want to talk about your upbringing. You mentioned that both your parents, I don't know if at the same time or at different points were incarcerated. When you look back, it may be Melissa at 11. How did she feel? What was she going through? What did she want for herself? I mean, Melissa at 11 was probably 
really insecure. My dad was in prison basically from the time I was like three or four until I was like 23. Mm. And then my mom went to prison for like two and a half years between the ages of maybe six and eight or maybe like five and seven, some, something around there. And so by the time I was 11, she had sort of gotten her life together and decided that that she didn't want to be in the streets anymore. She didn't want to um, sort of live the fast life. And I was watching her every day work hard to sort of like create a life for my sister and I. You know, she was a steel worker. Mm. And Detroit is a city where everything is sort of built around automotive. So either people work for the big three or they work in the plants or they work at companies that are adjacent that supply the automotive companies in some sort of way. And so she was working at a steel mill as a crane operator. And she did that for for a long time. But yeah, I was watching her and trying to build my confidence as I was transforming from a, a young girl into a young lady. My mom tells people that like, she grew up with us. She's like, I grew up with my kids. Um, and one of the things that she said to me last year, which was like a real wow moment for me, um, I was asking her about her time while she was in prison. And she was like, I wasn't locked up. Jail freed me. It freed me from the insanity that I was living. And I was like, whoa. So yeah, I, I think she was absolutely changing and evolving at the same time as I was growing into adulthood. Wow. I mean, that also just speaks to the power of perspective. Like your mom chose to look at it as an opportunity to be greater, to to have a second chance, to make different choices. And it sounds like she did. We look at our parents and we're like, oh, first of all, we are our parents, which is like the trippiest thing. It's like, freaky, especially the older you get, you have this awareness like, oh, I actually, we share DNA. Like, (laughs) it's unavoidable, you know? I look back on the sacrifices my parents have made, good and the bad choices my parents have made in their lives. And I have such gratitude and honestly admiration for the fact that they always strive to make better choices though. Yep. Because they they wanted us to do the same. Like I'm we are not always going to make the best choices. It's no. impossible to make perfect choices every day in your life. But it's I I just love hearing your mom say, "Oh no, 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 don't get it twisted. Like I I needed that." It took me a while to understand like she just did her best. And mm. I think that's all we can do mm. as humans. And and frankly, it's not my responsibility to control someone or to have tried to control someone's life. And so if I were to sort of like put on my big girl panties and then take myself out of it and just look at like her growth and it's like, wow, she didn't actually have to do that. Yes. Tell me, what is your earliest memory of feeling successful? So my mom, she's always been a hard worker and she's always instilled this idea of hard work upon me. So I've, I've had this sort of thought that like, if I went after it, it would happen. 
Because why wouldn't it? Why, why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't I operate in that privilege? So when I turned 16, I was like, I need a car. So she said, okay, well, you know, if you get a job, then whatever you save, whatever money you have, I'll match you. And so in Michigan, when you're like 15 and a half, you can get like a worker's permit. So I worked over the summer at McDonald's and I was the best damn fry flipper McDonald's has ever seen. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I saved, I think, $1,500 or close to it. And I bought my first car when I was 16. So the day I turned 16, I had wheels in my driveway and I felt so proud of myself. I think that was the first time that I realized like, if I put my mind to it, if I put my energy on it, it, it can actually happen for me. Mm, that's a good story. And I just, I love hearing that like you worked at McDonald's. Like people have to hear this. They have to know that like, you didn't always live in a beautiful place in Detroit and be able to have be the CEO. Like you started working at the largest fast food chain in the world. <laughs> like yes saving money to get your first car. Like, so now, Melissa, we got to get into, so you were working on Wall Street. You're a Wall Street girl, okay? So what I want you to tell us is what was happening in your life and what was truly the first step in the pivot to where you are now? The first step was really just believing in myself. And I'll say believing in yourself, but also understanding that you could fail and being okay with it. You got to do whatever, you know, your heart tells you to do, whatever. If that feeling in the pit of your belly says jump, then just jump. Because, like, that's your intuition saying it's time. And, you know, we weren't making a ton of money, but I knew that it was time to give my business 100%. I believed in it so much. And I knew that I was unhappy in my job. And I was, I was unwilling to stay in the job for the sake of having a job. It's like... The only reason I would have stayed there was to pay my bills. And the way I thought about it was like, forget these bills. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I, you know, was a single woman. I, all I had was like student loan debt. I'm like, Sally Mae can wait. If it doesn't work, I still have my degree. And now I have experience on Wall Street. I can go back and get a job. But right now I have to focus on what my heart is telling me to do. And so if you are looking to make that pivot, you just have to go within. I think you need to close your eyes. I think you need to meditate. And I think that you need to ask your body, ask your mind, ask your spirit, ask God, ask whoever you call on, is this the right move? And, and you'll have the answer. We always know the answer. Yes. You know, we always know the answer. Sometimes we're just too afraid to listen to it. Sometimes we're hoping that the answer will change. And so I made the leap and and I didn't look back, even though, you know, we were struggling. I thought that I had saved a year's worth of my expenses. I was living in New York at, at the time. I was living in an apartment in Brooklyn with Roscoe, who's our creative director and my best friend. She's you know, been there since day one. We're sharing an apartment in Brooklyn. And I was like, okay, I'm going to save up my half of the rent for the year before I quit. That money ran out so fast, Ashley. Listen. That junk was gone, okay? We were Airbnb-ing her room. She moved into my room. We Airbnb'd her room for the summer. 
to pay the rent. We were doing stuff like that. Just crazy because I was like, I have to keep going. I can't just stop because it's getting hard. And that's why you don't see a lot of entrepreneurs go the distance because people aren't always in the position to just decide to quit their job. People oftentimes do have more responsibility. People oftentimes are unwilling to sacrifice their lifestyle. I was willing to sacrifice it all. I moved back home to Detroit with my mom and then my ex-boyfriend. Like we didn't make money for years. I didn't pay myself a salary until the lip bar was six years old. That's a lot of sacrifice. And so when people praise me today, like your business is growing so fast or like you're doing so well, it's like I put in the time and I put in the effort because I didn't know how to be a CEO. I didn't know how to run a beauty business. Like no one just knows that. But I had to learn. I was building my plane in the sky, but I was willing to keep building it, even though I'm like, wait, I only got one wing. All right, let's go back down and get that wing and then come back up. It was a lot of like moving forward and then taking a few steps back to pause and then learn. And I think that one of the most important lessons I've learned on this journey is to always be a student, you Mm -hmm. know, always be a student, always be willing to learn a little bit more because the more you are open to learning, the further you're going to go. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Well, I, I too just want to add to that, Melissa, always be a student, but also recognize and answer the call when you're in the position to be the teacher. Like, I think that that is so important too. Like there's going to come a time and and the truth is we're, we're always going to be a student, but there's going to come a time that the knowledge that we've acquired, we're able to give back. We're able to help pull somebody up with us. We're, we're able to inspire someone else by telling our story. That's being a teacher. That's being a leader. That's being a boss. That's being a CEO. That's, it's not, it's bigger than you. Like really what I'm saying is recognizing when it, when it switches truly into being undeniably bigger than you. I want to ask like how special has it been having a, you know, a creative director who's also your best friend, someone who truly you've been in lockstep with every step of the way with this. Like, how special has that been? Like, what's your favorite part of that? I think my favorite part of it is our ability to be honest 
with each other. Mm. Like we, we know when we're really excited about something, when we're all giddy about it and when we're like, people are going to love this. Um, we also know when, when we have to take pauses, we know when we have to say, okay, maybe I'm not giving my best right now. Maybe, maybe I am burnt out right now. And I think that the beauty of building with your best friend um, and getting over that, that hurdle, cause like, it's hard also like working with your friends is hard because, you know, we've always heard like the phrase is like business is business. And, you know, at the end of the day, like businesses are there to make money and to make profit. But when you're building a company and my team is all women, and that's one of the things I'm most proud of. But when you're building a company with all women and some of them are your friends and one of them is your very best friend, it, it requires a, another level of honesty that you don't typically give your colleagues. You know, there's always typically a distance. It's like you you have your work friends and then you have your real friends. And I think it's been so beautiful because we've been able to like approach it with like true honesty because there was no separation. We are work friends and we're real friends. Sometimes we spar and then I'm still going to ask you how your mom is. Sometimes we're going to, you know, be really excited about something and, you know, there may be some real stuff happening in our lives and maybe we still have to push through it. Um, so I think that you know, it's been fantastic to watch each other grow because we didn't know what we were doing. We had no clue. And and we just decided to keep going after it and, and to continue to learn and give each other the space to grow. And I think that that requires a certain level of humility on both sides, but, you know, certainly honesty. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing, I love that you said building with your best friend, but, uh, you know, it's almost like a, a special advantage you have, you both have, because it's like you have the clearest mirror in front of you that you could have. It's a mirror. Yeah, so okay, you're, and Rachel you're, is honest with me. Oh, she's, <laughs> she's going to tell me if she thinks that, you know, I, I had an attitude if she thinks I was whatever she thinks. Whereas, you know, some, you know, again, your, your work colleagues aren't always going to tell the boss how they feel. Roscoe is going to tell me every time she's going to tell me exactly how she felt, how she thinks someone else felt, et cetera. And I think that to your point of having that mirror, it's like, you know, sometimes you look at things and you're like, oh, I didn't want to see that part, but thanks for showing me. I want to talk about Shark Tank. I know for you, this is like a long time ago, but I <laughs> found it interesting that you didn't have the best experience on there. And so I want to talk about how many years removed are you from it? Like six. Okay. So it's been about six years. I want to know how you felt in the moment. Like, what was Melissa going through at that time that you then decided coming out of it? Like, that didn't feel good or that didn't feel, that's not how I thought it was going to be or what, whatever your thoughts were surrounding it. And then now, six years removed, what did that teach you? Like, what is the greatest gift that that experience gave you that you're only able to see now that you're six years removed? Um, in that moment, I certainly felt 
defeated. I absolutely felt defeated. I felt misunderstood. Those feelings were very temporary, though. I sort of very quickly snapped out of it and was like, of course they don't understand. They're not your customer. And so I probably learned the power of segmentation. And, you know, growing up, this is when your grandma or your auntie say, everything ain't for everybody, you know? And so in the corporate world, that's called segmentation. It's like knowing your audience, knowing your customer. And so while in that very moment, I felt defeated and disappointed and I didn't feel validated. And the very next breath, I was like, but I don't need them to validate me. They're not even the people I'm looking for validation from. They're not even my customer. Of course, they don't understand, Melissa. And sort of this, <laughs> you know, being mean to myself moment. I'm like, that was stupid for you to go on there anyway. Why did you think they would understand? And so it became this moment for me where it was like, it seemed unfathomable. It seemed so ludicrous that I would have ever expected them to get it in the first place. And so I, I think that that was sort of like a combination of, you know, truth and like a coping mechanism. Like, okay, if they don't want me, I don't want them. And today, six years later, I think it has truly taught me the power of self and the power of resilience. So many people were inspired that we kept going. I didn't realize that this would happen. I didn't keep going to prove them wrong. A lot of people have that sort of um, misinterpretation. Like, yeah, take that Shark Tank. She kept going. And it's like, I didn't start my business for Shark Tank and I didn't keep going for Shark Tank. It was never about them. And like I said, when I started the business and when I was running out of money very early on, I became very comfortable with failure. And so like Shark Tank was just like one of the many things that went wrong. But as an entrepreneur, things go wrong every single day. Like literally just before we jumped on this call, I had a very tough conversation. And these things happen really often, but I don't look at them in the way I think some people look at them. I look at all of these moments where it doesn't feel good or you might be a little disappointment or some people may call it failure as just another opportunity to try it again. You know, it's like it's like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym and think that you're going to be like beast mode the first time. No, that's unrealistic. Like you don't you don't go to the gym and then leave out looking like the rock. That's just it's just not reality. Right. And so I have looked at building this business and all of the bumps along the way as just like building muscle, having more experiences that teach me how to do it better the very next time. So I'm grateful for that experience because I think it was important for people to know that you can get rejected on national TV and keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people said to me like, oh, I would have quit after that because that was embarrassing. And it's like, but who, what's embarrassing? Embarrassing to who? Melissa. Like what, what part of it, you know, um, makes you want to go into a corner Does that mean like every time something goes wrong and somebody sees it, that you're going to stop it? And I'm happy that I was the person that experienced it because I felt like I was built for it. 
I serve as that reminder to many, I think, especially Black women in business that sometimes it doesn't go right the first time, but that doesn't mean that you should give up. Just because it doesn't go according to plan doesn't mean the plan is doomed. Mm, Why would I do that? You know, Melissa, we talk so much about the power of no, right? As it pertains Mm -hmm. to our individual ability to say no to things, say no to things that we don't think are right for us and own our power in that. But I feel like we don't talk as often about the gift of no. We talk about the gift of yes. We don't talk about the gift of no. Mm -hmm. There's a gift in that, you know? And again, it really goes back to your mom. I feel like she's kind of like the anchor of this conversation for me. Like it's about perspective. Most Mm -hmm. people would never call no a gift. Yes. And (laughs) and some people wouldn't think about yes as a curse. Mm. Ooh, Melissa. There can be both, you know, I want us to stop thinking in a linear way, whether that's about beauty, you know, there is no one beauty standard. Every yes doesn't mean that like the world opens up and there are consequences to every single thing. Some people might say, oh, Melissa is a boss. You know, that also comes with a lot of weight. So it's like, while that is a yes, there are certainly aspects of it that are like, no, While Shark Tank was like a no, there were certainly benefits that looked like and resulted in yeses. And so I really need us as humans to really focus on our dynamism and understand that there is beauty and diversity and our journey should not be a straight line. Because then that's just boring. Yeah. You know, there there are going to be twists and turns and curves. And with every yes and with every benefit, there are going to be consequences. Like managing people is a very challenging part of being a CEO, you know, or like um, getting told no on Shark Tank, for instance, like, no, it didn't feel good in the moment. But then look at years later, look at how many people I've made feel beautiful and I've inspired. So Yeah, we just we got to stop allowing people to put us in boxes and we have to stop staying in these boxes that other people have placed us in. Mm, Y'all already know I talk about the boxes all the time. So, Melissa, you are right on point. That's exactly how I feel. Melissa, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? Probably also my mom. I think, you know, you saying that she's the anchor of the conversation. I think the older we get, and I'm experiencing this with some of my friends, like we realize that we become our parents. And oftentimes, like me specifically, I'm like always trying to like correct my mom or tell her how things could be or how they should be. Or I'm trying hard to like erase the parts that I don't want. And I realize that it's just there. And like, I can either practice radical acceptance and embrace it, or I could spend the rest of my life trying to undo what's already done. And that's not, it's not productive or useful. So yeah, I appreciate that part of the conversation. I love that. My takeaway is to drive to wake up every day feeling that I'm enough. And being okay with whatever that is that day. 
you know, we started with these affirmations, but like affirmations are like very trendy right now. Right. But like not saying that we have these affirmations and not truly living these affirmations, not truly affirming ourselves every day. And so, you know, my takeaway is the reminder to simply affirm myself every day. Mm. Some days I might have 20, some days I might have one. Right. But to make sure that I'm affirming me, I have no problem affirming others. (laughs) I have to start with myself. Um, So thank you for that reminder, my friend. Um, Melissa, I want you to know that I thank you. I love you and I honor you so deeply. I'm so proud of you, Melissa. You inspire me. I cannot tell you how much you inspire me. And I am just so happy that I get to call you friend. Oh, that is so sweet. I want to just give you a hug. (laughs) I got to come to the D. You got to come to the D. After the credits, the disco diva whose beauty shines inside and out. Stay with us. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Editing assistants from Jordan Cowling, mixed by Kojin Tashiro. Assistant producers are Michelle Baker and Shanice Tindall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you do, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to ensure you hear the next one. Melissa, who is someone from history that was the embodiment of beauty? Oh, Shaka Khan. Mm. Easy. Easy. I mean, she's history, but also she's she's like one of my beauty icons. Her and Donna Summer. Like, I I love that they were unafraid of, like, seemingly unafraid of who they were. And and they showed it. They showed up and they showed out. And Shaka would always have on, like, she would have her big hair, her red lip. And she wore red often. And red is, like, a, a true power color for me. It's, like, it commands the attention. And I think part of being confident is being okay with commanding the attention. So I just love those two. Love it. Shaka and Donna. I love it. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.